Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash hour of devastation. A pledge to start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Cavern podcast where we talk all things Magic the Cavern. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? Uh, the world continues to turn, time continues to pass. That is that is certainly <laughs> true. <laughs> I don't really understand the passage of time anymore. It's it's certainly a thing that happens and I'm very aware of it, but I don't really don't really know what days are anymore. I I don't I don't really know a lot of things anymore. Been inside my house for thirty two days now. Have you not left at all? I've been to like the end of my, my backyard, but that's it. Have you not gone for like a walk or something? No, you never walk. We're taking no chances. No, I risks. mean that's fair enough. That's 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 probably wise to be fair. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, my day is just being punctuated by having to get up and go to work, and then yeah, same, the same. Except my my work is my house now. <laughs> <laughs> just in one prison for the last month. Yeah, pretty much. Bloody hell! I mean, you you're coping really well. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. Like I I think I am definitely. Um, I don't know. Like I feel like. I almost feel like like it's wrong to say that I'm coping with it well or that like I'm happy during this time because I know that there are a lot of people struggling with it um, and you know, absolutely understandably so uh, and I know I very much very much I'm speaking from a, a position of privilege but I think I'm coping with it pretty well and I hope I hope that that lasts as long as this this lockdown does last. Yeah, no, I I understand you you feeling bad about it, but I think I mean literally the only. The only thing to do at the moment is get out of this alive. That's that's literally it. That's what you have to do. Yep. So if this is you know an easy and, and somewhat pleasant experience for you, then just cling on to it, man. <laughs> that's all you can do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think I'm coping with it all right. Like I, I get to go out and you know walk ten miles a day, so that's pretty nice. Nice. Yeah. I have to work, and it's you know actually crap, but <laughs> I get to be out the house and, and outside in the sunshine, which is nice. Um, so since we can't complain about the state of the world, do you want to just spend an hour complaining about Magic the Gathering? Oh, absolutely! It's my favorite thing to do on a Monday evening. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And this this week we've got some. I mean, I'm not really that prepared. I've just I know I've got a lot of opinions. Yeah, and I'm going to verbalize them. Yeah, same. Definitely, I do have a, have a lot of opinions. And I guess in that case, how has your your week in magic been? Have you managed to to engage much since we we last spoke? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nice and simple. Nice and simple. Yeah, I've played no magic. I have barely paid attention to magic. Um, Let me guess, have you been on that World of Warcraft grind? Yeah, unfortunately so. (laughs) I've just been playing it a lot. I mean, yeah, just, you know, every night me and a few friends just jump on Discord and then play World of Warcraft. Not even with each other most of the time, just, you know, alongside each other and talk to each other. It's just like... I understand. I've been there. I've been there. I understand, definitely. Yeah, I think it was any other time. And, you know, I could leave my house and I was, you know, going to work in a magic shop on Wednesdays and Friday nights and I was able to go out to eat and go out to, you know, see films and go out shopping and go and see places and whatever, then I probably wouldn't play World of Warcraft, but (laughs) 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 there's literally nothing else to do. And I don't have the money to, you know, play Arena or Magic Online properly. Uh, So, you know, I've got to fill the time with something. There is no greater time sync than World of Warcraft, I'll give you that one. Definitely. Yeah. It, Speaking it from really, experience really here. 
yeah, I just keep playing and then suddenly it's been four hours and I'm like, oh, I should probably like, you know, wash myself. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'll look out for the signs. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm doing fine. It's just, it's just, it literally is something to pass the time when I'm not working, pretty much. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, how was, how's your week been? Uh, my week's been, been all right. Um, yeah, kind of like been engaging with magic a, a fair bit so obviously this was working from home situation is is in full swing um, so i'm finding like downtimes when i don't have stuff to do i can easily just hop on arena play like a quick 10 minute game i've been finding it's been very convenient definitely also did the the uh, the streamer streamer event the early access streamer event last wednesday as well um that was really fun i really enjoyed that um I played against some some pretty cool players and got absolutely destroyed by them. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. It was really fun. I played a, just an abundance of different decks. Uh, I played like a mono blue cycling deck, which I, I thought was fantastic. Really enjoyed that. Uh, I played a giant tribal deck that I brewed myself that ended up winning loads of games. So that was cool. Uh, even be be bloody with that one. So that was quite quite fun. I mean, that's a that's a good. It's a good brag. It is, yeah. It is, yeah. Uh, what else did I play? I did a bit. Of, I did a bit of draft. So they've they've launched the the player drafts now. So you can draft with seven other other actual human beings. Um, yeah, and everyone's complaining about it. Yeah, I definitely definitely complaining about it. It's. I don't know whether it's. I mean, sure. Some of it is probably because this is. A, a brand new set so people are still learning the cards and b this is a very very complicated set compared to what we've seen recently and there's a lot of things to learn and a lot of things to read on all of the cards and we're early on in the format so i think that accounts for some of it but the actual drafting experience itself it is not fun it is not fun at all it just takes forever i think i think couple that with the fact that like bot drafting like once you knew what you were doing with a format you could just get it over with, like, dead fast. Like, you could very, very easily just just blitz through a draft in five minutes and have, like, a decent, like, 7-0 deck. Yeah, I, th- I think by the end of... Certainly the end of Beyond Theros, Beyond Death, uh, just, like, the, the first pick took some deliberation, the yeah. next few picks took some deliberation, and then it was just, like, five minutes from there. It's just to pick cards. I mean, I was wondering when that just you talking about and like you know actual people drafts on arena was just going to devolve into you ragging on arena players who were just bad at magic it, it took 25 minutes to draft 25 minutes to do the draft portion the yeah. last one i did yeah, how and long, i was like yeah. i'm never doing that again yeah how long does it take you to do a paper draft that's fine in paper in paper is a completely different experience yeah but it's the same as drafting on magic online i've had vintage cube drafts go much longer than 25 minutes i, I think I think the difference is when you're when you're drafting cube on Magic Online, it's it's a lot different because I feel like your picks your picks are more meaningful, um, and there's I think you're constantly always always thinking about your deck and what you might need, and I think cube cube draft is always going to be different, um, but I think like your just typical standard set draft on Magic Online tends to go a lot quicker than that because i think the majority of people that are drafting on magic online are just limited grinders like they know just, the formats just they know say what it. to take just say it you hate noobs on arena 
No, I don't. I don't hate noobs on arena. I, I hate the draft experience on arena. On arena, I think it would be because fine. it's populated by people who don't play Magic. They only play Magic Arena. I don't. I don't know if that's the case exactly. I think my my issue is that it's certainly not not the case. My issue is that it would be fine in paper, taking twenty five minutes because it's a it's a completely different experience, and you you're in a completely different setting, completely different surroundings. You're in a room. You know, you're in sat around a table with seven other people there's going to be a completely different dynamic to that than you just being sat by yourself in front of your computer screen remember being sat around a table with seven other people yeah it's been a very long time yeah i i understand that it's it's something that you can't you can't replicate that on on that on arena like you can you can replicate the you know the act of the actual draft itself and you can simulate the passing of the packs but you you can't have your physical space occupied by seven other people and just just have that have that atmosphere there like that's something that you cannot replicate digitally um and have one person at the end of the table shouting why is this still in the pack yeah definitely yeah. look on their face yeah i mean if, if they're <laughs> if they're going to attempt to, to to simulate that then at least at least let us do some emotes on the in the draft portion <laughs> you just want some bm emotes yeah <laughs> that seems like a bad just sit, sit there and spam your go while the person next to me has six packs piled up yeah, I've watched you play Magic Arena. That's what you do in game anyway. Yeah, <laughs> just spam your go until your opponent feels bad. I did. I, I will say during the uh, the early access streamer event, I did keep a tally on who was saying hello and who was responding to my <laughs> to my emotes. That's something that someone who's been inside for thirty one days would do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was good fun. It was all good fun. A pleasant and polite. Hmm. It's just we enter the game. I say hello, and then you know, come on, say it back. Say it back. But very few actually so did. Very few did. I, I hate you. I know. Why must you? Why must you populate this podcast with bad internet memes? Uh, for the clout. Oh god! Just, well, it's not working. Straight up for the clout. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't work if people don't listen to the podcast to hear you say the bad memes. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Outside of that, I've been playing. Um, still just playing on the ladder, so I've been trying out some new decks. Uh, jumped away from mono red because that seems to be just just not a very good deck anymore. Like it seems to be fine if, if you're grinding your way up through like through like gold. If you want to get from like bronze to gold one, you can probably still play it. But I think the rest of the meta as you move up from that has, has definitely shifted a lot. So I switched to the the eighty card Doom Foretold deck because um, that definitely sounds like my kind of jam on paper and it was for a bit um but i just found myself sort of plateauing a bit so I just decided to just be a, a bit of a filthy net decker saw that uh, that croakies was was ranked number one mythic and was like oh, i'll just have a look and see what he's playing i was playing the raktor sacrifice deck which i thought was pretty good anyway uh and yeah i'm now sat in platinum one uh, i've lost two games in the past 24 hours so there we go well, let's hear that that, uh, that golden assertion. This is going to be the month where I hit Mythic. This is going to be the month where I hit Mythic. I believe you. I, yeah, I actually believe myself <laughs> this time as well. Um, yeah, I think I'm playing, I'm playing an actually good deck for once. I know how to play the deck, and I find it quite interesting to play as well. Uh, and I've got like, like 11 days to get there. 10 day, yeah, I've got 10 days to get there. Uh, um, all ten of those days, I have to spend every waking minute inside my house. So, 
yeah, I think this is going to be it. Yeah. You, your managers don't know you're not working. Just ignore your dogs and your wife. <laughs> Perfect. You'll do it. <laughs> just Yeah, just, just, just get on that grind. Um, yeah, just like drink some Red Bull, eat some protein bars. Nah, I got it. I got it. It's going to be good. But yeah, I'm, I, I guess I have been interacting with the Magic a lot. And because of that, I do have a lot of opinions on, on the new set. Um, I think... I think that's what we're going to do today, really. We're just going to dive into our first impressions of Ikoria. Now it's it's out into the wild, and um, it's it's certainly had a massive impact on the game. Yeah, spoiler alert, my opinions are not positive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> neither am I. Cool. So, <laughs> that being said, where do you want to start? Uh, I think we should. I think we should just start with the the elephants in the room, I guess, or should we say the the legendary creatures in the room in our hands? Are there any? Are there any elephants on a courier? Uh, I, and the cards well, don't start in your hand; they start outside the game in your sideboard. That is true. I mean, essentially, they start in your hand. But yeah, no, you, you are correct. They don't start in your hand. They start in your sideboard. It's companion time. Let's yeah. It's companion time. Jesus Christ. Uh, so I think we maybe underappreciated or under-evaluated them when we first saw them. Yeah, and now seeing absolutely. them in play, they are far more bonkers than we gave them credit for. Than I think anyone gave them credit for. Yeah, I think everybody, again, like everybody missed just how good they were. Like, people definitely looked at a couple and were like, oh, this seems very good. This is going to fit into this specific deck. But like, I think very quickly, once you play with them, you realise that oh, there is no real downside to playing the cards. Like, So your sideboard has one less extra card. That would be the biggest downside, I think, in most cases. Because most decks, most decks can fairly easily flex within the... Uh, the the construction rules to be able to play them as companions like fairly easily so the only real negative they were having is you were losing one sideboard slot but if that's the case and everybody else is playing them then everybody loses one sideboard slot so it's not really like even losing a sideboard slot if everybody's losing one i mean magic players are horrible at constructing sideboards anyway yes so reducing (laughs) it from 15 to 14 probably doesn't make that much of a difference yeah yeah we're seeing the companions tear up literally every format yeah and i guess we're yet to see what it does in commander but i can't imagine it's good things but literally from standard to vintage the companions are just doing everything yeah and there's there's a lot of decks that they just immediately slipped into so you can see basically any deck that's capitalizing on stuff like walking ballista or artifacts creatures in general are just playing lurus uh and a lot of them are playing uh, what's the red white fox called? Zerda, the Dawn Waker. Zerda. There's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of infinite commas being assembled with that. There's a lot of uh, Urian decks because it just turns out if you're playing, if you're playing a good stuff anyway, just play twenty more good cards and just play Urian in your sideboard because it's just good. Uh, Gigantha is doing some things. It's mainly just Lurus. Let's be honest. It's yeah. basically ruining every format. Uh, I'd say it in vintage. It's a combination of Lurus and Lutri. Um, Zerda is there too. Uh, but yeah, Lurus is, is definitely having the, the biggest impact. Um, uh, like as I say that, I'm playing a Lurus deck myself. Like the Rock of Sacrifice deck plays Lurus as companion because 
because it just can and it's also very good in that deck uh, it allows you to play your, your witches ovens from your graveyard that get counted or it allows you to play your cats or your, your scorpion you can play your, you can have your scorpion out sack it to your oven uh, replay it again from the graveyard I don't know where this conversation is going to going to go I don't have a plan for it but I think the problem with Lura specifically if we just talk about that for probably ever uh, yeah. it, it's just a card you would play anyway yeah, in a lot of in a lot of situations, uh, there's there. It's been a modern deck that's just playing two copies main deck anyway, uh, in Jund because it's just like it. So sometimes it functions as uh, a Roman excavator. Yeah. Uh, so you can just play lands from your graveyard, with, which in a fetch land format and a field of ruin format and a ghost quarter format is pretty good. It also just allows you to rebuy things that die or get countered, and it, it's just it's also just a three mana three two with lifelink. Yeah, which is just a card that like you probably play anyway, and if you can play it literally every game, on turn three if you want to, wh- why wouldn't you? <laughs> it's yeah, just, it just seems correct to do so. Uh, and it's just it you, like in Jund, you're just cutting Liliana of the Veil because that card was kind of bad anyway, and you're just playing Lutri in the sideboard, and your deck just remains basically the same. Uh, it's I don't understand why they thought this card would be a good idea. Yeah, the th- thing is, it's not. It's not even like I, I don't know. Like the situation where it's like we printed this card and it's really good in standard, but oh, it, it's it's you know ruined everything in the older formats. It's just it, it, they're just popping up and just completely change the face of basically every format. Yeah, they're everywhere. I think they've 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 just completely fundamentally changed the game. Just just how you play the game. Um, you know, for example, like yeah, we will we'll stick on on Lurus. Yeah, you can, as you said, if you stick it in your Jun deck. Uh, you could e- you could even play it in your Jund deck with Liliana. So you minus your Liliana, you sacrifice a creature, um, and then you can replay that creature from the graveyard because you've, you've got Lurus out. If that's something you were into, there's like there's so many like fair things you can do with it like that. You discard a Tarmogoyf and then just play it. Yeah. Yeah. See, that seems fine. Totally seems fine. Discard that stuff seems, to collect your brutality. Replay it. Seems like totally fair. Like relatively fair things you can do. Uh, the issue is is that, like like we were saying, like the, these cards are just essentially free in most decks. Like I don't have an issue with Lurus showing up in a in a Jun deck, or if somebody wants to try to brew an Abzan deck, sure, go for it. It's when you have like the ninth place in the modern challenge is mono red prowess, and that's playing. So it's playing four. Monastery Swift Clear, four Soul Scarf Mage, four Crush Through, four Lava Spike, four Light of the Stage, two Warlord's Fury, four Lava Dart, four Lightning Bolt, four Monomorphos, four Mistress Bauble, four Sea of Fire, 18 lands, that's your main deck. That plays one off Lurus on the sideboard. Yeah, because why wouldn't you? Because it can. It's free, you can always have a, have a three mana free two in your hand at the very worst, uh, and it combos nicely with your, with your Mistress Baubles, with your Seal of Fires. Yeah, uh, when and when your stuff inevitably dies or gets countered, you just replay it, and it's a three-two with lifelink that can just help out in the mid-game. Uh, like, and, and you know, splashing a card like that in that kind of deck is fine. You just play some sacred foundries along with your fetch lands you're already playing, and it's just fine. <laughs> yes, yeah, so splashing a a black-white card in your mono-red prowess deck is fine. Yeah, it's just two white-white, yeah. and it's fine. <laughs> like it just doesn't matter. And you have mana morphos, which just can just cast it. Like I. <sighs> The thing is, because when we were looking at stuff like, um, you know, Urian and Gigantha and stuff, you're just like, okay, well, at worst, it's just like a, a 5 mana 5 4 with flying, or like a 5 mana 5 5. And you're just like, okay, well, that's kind of fine. If you can jump through the hoops, maybe it does something for you with Lurus. It's just like, this is card, a card I'd actively play anyway. 
Yeah. And then I can just have it in my opening hand every game and just cast it. And then I can, you know, build my deck slightly differently to just to just maximize on that card because I'll always have it. Yeah, you're building, the, the way you build magic decks is you're trying to maximize on the, 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 the good cards in your deck and try and play around things. So, you know, like the prowess deck, like you're playing the Manamorphoses and the Mishra's Baubles because they work very well with prowess creatures and they also tear through your deck and you're trying to, you know, make an optimum deck. And then with Lurus, you're just like, well, I just get to do this every game. <laughs> yeah. I just always have this option. Yeah, it's like 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 you mentioned Giganta there. You know, last week when we were talking about Giganta, we were like, oh, you know, oh maybe it might see some play somewhere. It's you know probably going to see play in Commander. You can stick it in a Joda deck or do shenanigans with Fist of the Suns. And it turns out you can just play it in Vintage in a Golos Stacks deck and use its its mana, its mana ability to activate Golos. Because all your cards are, uh, are artifacts. And you can very easily make five mana, so you just get basically a free mana, free five mana, five five every game. Yep. And then you can just tap it to activate your Golos. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, and this is the thing. Like when we looked at them, we're like, oh, this would be fine. You know, I, I, I maybe everyone has a fourteen card sideboard, and you get to play this kind of medium creature, but you always have access to it if you need it. And then you see stuff like Lurus doing the stuff it is in every format. Like it's just so many legacy decks are playing it. Pioneer, like the black white Auras deck. Yeah. It's like, well, we're not playing any three drops, so <laughs> let's play this Lurus, and it's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I just, every format is playing it, and I think it was, I mean, the crux of it is just, I think the mechanics are a mistake, and I it just shouldn't agree. exist. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think the, like, the issue for, for me, like, the way I see it is, is they're very much, whenever, whenever they've printed a free spell, that's always been a mistake, and free spells always get banned or restricted at some point. Like it, it, you know, ninety nine percent of the time it happens. They're mistakes. We know this by now. However, this this isn't quite a free spell, but I think this is definitely equivalent to to a free card, and I, I think a free card is is almost, if not just, as good as a free spell. We already we know we know how we know how problematic free spells are. I think because this wasn't a free spell because it's a free card, we were we were less likely to pick up on just how broken they were going to be. But yeah, now we know like oh, it's just always there in your hand as a card, and it can't be discarded. You know, you can't be thought seized out of your hand. Yeah, I just it's just it's such a problem. I mean, this thing, when we look at, like, mulligans and, and people's response yeah. to the London mulligan, and, like, the London mulligan seems too good, but the mulligan we has, had had before wasn't good enough and it led to bad games. You're like, what if you just have an eight-card hand? Yeah. What if you just start with eight cards and if you mulligan, you go to seven, if you mulligan, then from there you go to six? Like, what if you just do that and the card is actively good? Yeah, that's it. Like, it's, it just, it fundamentally, it fundamentally changes the rules of magic, essentially. Like, your your starting hand is no longer like like n. It's now always n plus one because you just you just like you always have this card in your hand at the start of the game, and there's no downside to playing it, and there's no there's no tax to playing these cards. They're free cards. They're always in your hand. It just yeah, like on the face of it, without the context, I think. They looked a bit. They looked quite gimmicky. They looked like oh, one or two might be, might be very good. But now we, we've seen the impact. I don't know how we, how we solve it. I don't really know where we go from here. I mean, that's the thing. Like, because you even look at like standard, and 
and you've got the Guy Ruda deck. Yes. Which is just absolute madness. And you, you watch people play it, and there's, you know, there's a few people that have put up videos and stuff, and people that are streaming the deck. And you watch someone play it, and they keep an, a hand that is just absolute trash. It's just yep. ramp spells. You know, this, this hand is unkeepable. But they always have the best card in their deck. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the most ridiculous screenshot I've seen like over the past few days was it was a Gruda deck in Legacy. So they mulliganed their hand. Um, they you know, had bad luck and had to mulligan down to two cards. The cards they mulliganed to were Lions Are Diamond, Lions Are Diamond. So on their yep. turn, they, they won the die roll. On their turn, they play a Lions Are Diamond, play another Lions Are Diamond, sack them for six mana, cast a Garuda, and then they won that game. Yeah, because Garuda does stupid things with clones and with blink effects. Yeah. Where you just get to tear through your deck or just mill your opponent out. It's just not remotely reasonable. Uh, and it, this is this is the problem. You just you just get to the, the, it just limits the amount of decision making you make in a game. Because you're like, well, this hand's kind of bad, but because I always have access to whatever this card is in my sideboard, then it, it makes it a lot better. Especially yeah. when it's the Garuda deck, where it's just it's just actively doesn't matter whether you keep a good hand or not, as long as you can get to six mana. Normally on turn four, if not turn three, then t- turn five, then you just it just doesn't matter because then that is your game plan. Your entire yeah. game plan is casting this card, so you just mulligan to what looks like a terrible hand because it's just Paradise Druids and um, whatever Explosive Vegetation is in this set, and yeah. then you just cast a spell and win the game off that exclusively. And it's the same; it's, it's similar with Lurus, where you're like, "Well, this hand's kind of medium, but I always have a three mana three two yeah, that, that gets lets me replay stuff that gets countered or killed," uh, and. <sighs> I'm just I, I just don't understand what the plan was here like what why they thought this would be a mechanic that was desirable yeah for, yeah. for an actual game of magic like what what about this is good because n- no one's happy about these cards <laughs> at all literally everyone hates them yeah I think that's like the issue is just like it, it just completely ruins variants like we know that that at times when magic is is at its best, it's a it, it's it's an almost perfect balance of of skill and variance. So like your your skill, your ability to build a deck, but also having that variance factor being reasonably high as well. It, it's it's the thing that allows like you know anyone to to just just spike a GP. It allows like new players to beat you know experienced players. Variance is is good like we like variants like just just having you know complete rng like oh roll this dice if whoever roll the highest number gets the biggest creature wins the game isn't always necessarily great but magic's typically been pretty good at balancing skill and variance and these these companion cards just lower that, that variance so much that it just fundamentally changes what the game is yeah, well, this thing like magic thrives on variance. It's worked so much better yeah. than than any other game. Like it's it's Absolutely. why it's. And I don't want to say it's better than chess, but it's why I think it's better than chess because you can be as good as you want and you can know things inside out and you can make the correct moves. But if you don't draw the right cards, then you lose a game or the game becomes harder and you have to make complex decisions. And yeah, you know your decision tree for the game changes every time you draw a card. But if you if your decision tree is just cast this cast this Lurus on turn three of my Hangback Walker Walking Blister deck then uh, that becomes far less interesting or casting Garuda on turn 4 or 5 or 6 in my Garuda deck then what's the point? Yeah definitely you know if we compare it directly to Hearthstone um, you know Hearthstone has has lots of cool cards with, with very powerful abilities like Magic does 
but I think the the thing that that will always make Magic a better game than Hearthstone is is the variance, the fact that you haven't you haven't just got perfect mana every single game. You have to construct your decks in a way uh, where you're going to reliably draw mana and, and play spells, and you, you have to it's something you always have to think about. Uh, Hearthstone, Hearthstone games. I mean, it's been quite a while since I played Hearthstone, uh, but you know, last time I was playing Hearthstone, I was playing it fairly regularly and fairly competitively, and it was just like every every other game was just exactly the same game essentially. And I don't think that's particularly good game design. No, well, that's the thing. That's like I said. That's why Magic thrives because it is so. It, it, every game is different, and every decision mm-hmm. is different, and it's why people often dislike decks like Mono Red, where basically every card does the same thing, or Burn, where basically every card does the same thing. Yeah. There are people that really like those decks and like playing those strategies, but it, it's why, like you know, stuff like Boggles. It's why we <laughs> we hate Boggles so much because it does exactly the same thing every game. And there are very few opportunities for decision and very few opportunities for variance outside of getting mana flooded or mana screwed or not drawing, you know, not, not drawing the right cards, right? Yeah. So even even in those games that have like almost scripted, very, very linear, like my opponent's going to do this, then do this, then do this, and they win. But there's always that opportunity where just like you you can beat the LSVs of the world, right? Because you draw the cards in the right order and he draws the cards of the wrong order. Yeah. Whereas if you just get to draw Garuda every game <laughs> or you get to draw Lurus and it's just absurd in your deck then that just removes that that opportunity from it and the thing this is just it's such a small cost because there are cards that have just gone it straight just gone into decks like and you know gigantha isn't one of the one of the big problem ones yeah. but you just play a modern humans deck you're like well none of these cards have double mana costs so <laughs> i'm just going to play this free five five that also helps me cast my spells later in the game yeah definitely. like i said the the golos stacks deck is just a, a nice uh in vintage sorry it's just a nice example of that like it doesn't really do anything differently other than what it was doing before other than it, it swaps the cyborg card out for a gigantha and that just allows it to play to activate golos faster yeah which is just, always fun isn't it yeah of course like <laughs> it just allows you to, to do these things better than you were yeah or at least add a new thing that is a, like we said like a very low opportunity cost uh, and I, I don't understand what the what the the, be, the perceived benefit of this was. Like, what what does this add add to the game outside of like flavor? I guess. Yeah, I really really don't know at all. Um, I I don't know. I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing like all of like the M files and like all of the the articles that come out over the next couple of weeks where they talk about the, the design and Mark Rose was Mark Rosewater's draft work podcast. It'll be quite an interesting one, I think, um, when he, he starts to talk about Akoria and the design of that, especially like exploratory design. I feel like that there was probably quite a big scope of of things that went on there, but I, I think it, it it is it's particularly strange if you you look at um very recently over the weekend there was a, a repost of an article. Uh, to Reddit that Mark Rosewater wrote in 2015. He was talking about Topical Blend was, was the name of the the article and it was about me- mechanics which didn't make it into a set or make it into sort of existence and uh, apparently at one point there was pressure on him to to deliver an exciting design so he decided to push the boundaries and he, he wanted to make a mechanic that allowed you to choose to start the game with a card in your opening hand and uh, if you chose to do so you had to begin the game with, with one card fewer in your hand which is is sort of similar to 
a companion, except companion is just one card in your hand and you don't get taxed for it at all. Uh, and yeah, he, like, he ends that article by by saying, like, it's written in the very in the very sort of you know fanciful flowery way that that Marrow writes articles. He, he always puts his his own fun quirky spin on it. Uh, but yeah, the gist is the end of that article is is, is he gave that design to playtest. The playtesters said it was a horrendous idea, uh, and that deck variance is the lifeblood of the game and undercutting it with this mechanic has led to the most unfun playtest games we have ever played. If this is the future of magic design, we want nothing to do with it. So that that verbatim is is a sentence that Mark Rosewater wrote in twenty fifteen. So what's happened since then to suddenly now we have a companion? Yeah. I can't work it out. I can't work out what the the, the positives are to creating companions and just having them in your deck because uh, you said like variance is the lifeblood of the game like why you know all your all your best stories and all your best anecdotes and your bad beat story or good beat stories are based on variance yeah definitely and then i top decked the lightning helix and my opponent was dead right i blind flipped my my counterbalance and countered my opponents whatever yeah yeah not not and then i cast my lurus on turn three and then I rebought this card. Then I rebought this card. Then I rebought this card, and my opponent was buried by value. Or I was playing a singleton vintage deck, and then I cast my Lutri from the sideboard that I was definitely going to do every term, <laughs> every time yeah. I put ancestral recall on the stack. Like, what? I made six mana on turn one and cast my my Gigan. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like my my, I was having a bad time, and then it got to got to where I had six mana, so I did the same thing I do every time I have six mana and that I won the game from there. If if it was just like, and then I top decked my Garuda on turn six and cast it and won the game from there, like it's different, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like even like I don't know, like uh, what if what if that had been been the design? Like if if they they were still companion in flavour, they were a legendary creature uh, but let's say let's say you scrap the mechanic the companion mechanic. Uh, companion now says you can only play one copy of this card in your your starting main deck, and then it has a much more powerful ability on it. Like what if it had been that? What if it was like like super legendary? Like you can only play one, but it's more powerful. Surely that would have been a much cooler, more fun design than oh this card is free, it's always in your hand. Where did design go to get us here? And why did it have to exist in the set where everything else is going on at the same time? Yeah. Where all the other nonsense is happening, where Mutate is just one of the most complex, if not the most complex ability we've ever had when you actually go down to it. And like every day I'm reading new stories about how Mutate's just complete nonsense and doesn't work the way that you would expect magic cards to traditionally work. And then you have Companion, which just like which just turns the power level up to 20. Yeah, like I attempted to do that Mutate joke last week about layers and layering cards on top of each other and it turns out there are actually layers issues with mutate like there are like what happens if you mutate a a land that's been turned into an elemental by nissa it's a zero zero with three counts on it yeah what happens if you mutate a creature that's been turned into a three three elk with no abilities by oko it's a three three elk with no abilities that is correct yeah why (laughs) why Layers. Layers is the, is the simple answer. Your big, your big like showcase mainline mechanic for a set, like your layer of behemoths, make your own monster. This is the big set. The thing that does that, like that, 
big, huge thing for your set shouldn't be this complex to work out. Yeah. Like, like, cru- like vehicles, right? With crewing, with yeah. in Kaladesh, that was the big main like headline. It was smuggler's copter was stupid, but it was the big headline thing, and it was really, it's really easy. There was a couple of things with like the end of combat and when you can actually do it and stuff, and they were just like, we'll sort that out. That's easy, and then it's just tap this creature. This is now a creature. Yeah. And that was their big headline thing, right? Escape. They're big, you know, escaping from the underworld. It's tied to the law of the set. Elspeth's escaping the underworld. Yep, this is just how escape works. Mutate. You make massive monsters and there's giant legendary creatures that can mutate into other creatures and you can add them all together and then it becomes this big thing. How does it work? We don't know. Like, it's just such a problem. And then you add on companion. Yeah, like, I'm just, just going to read the read the reminder text for mutate. The reminder text for mutate is... If you cast this spell for its mutate cost, put it over or under target non-human creature you own. They mutate into that creature on top, plus all abilities from under it. Like, that's just the... the <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like magic parlance. No, that, that like... It kind of... Ex- that explains what you do with the card rather than what the ability does. More than what the card does, yeah. Yeah. It, like... It... <sighs> I'm trying to think of another mechanic that's worded like that. It's stuff like Convoke, yeah. where it's like tapping each creature helps pay for the mana cost, or like Improvise yeah. or whatever, where it's yeah. like help, it helps pay for the mana cost. You're like, that sounds kind of off. But you kind of get it. Yeah. Where like you don't really have any more questions after that. Yeah, like compare you know? it to like Menace, for example. Menace, this creature can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. Yeah. that's It's, yeah, nice and clean. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like there's... You're right, there's just so much going on in this set, and I... I wonder if... Like, if something's clearly gone on when they were designing this set, uh, when they were making this set, definitely. Uh, I know recently we, we found out that Theros Beyond Death was, was originally meant to be two sets, uh, and then it got condensed into one set, and I know Ikoria got moved forwards. I wonder if Ikoria was originally meant to be two sets as well. Yeah, one and you with would companion, have... one with mutate. Yeah. Yeah, that would make a lot more sense, because you've got everything going on here. It, uh, yeah, companion, it's mutate, it's cycle, it's a three-colour wedge set. We've got three-colour lands of basic land types. So many, just just so many things. Oh, we've got, we've got um, ability counters as well now. 13 or 14 different counter types in the, in the game. Yep, completely in, in the about set. ability counters. This yeah. is the thing. Any other set where ability counters are a thing, you could do an entire episode of a podcast about how weird ability counters are. But there's yeah. so much going on in Akoria that I forgot they existed for a minute. It's that that that's the thing. It's like they're they're strange, but they make sense. Like ability counters make sense. Like put a flying counter on this, or this now has flying. Put a death touch counter on this, this now has death touch. That that even like that is just so much more straightforward than than mutate and you can you say that about you can say that about companion as well you may cast this once from outside the game that doesn't really mean what you think it means why have they not just errated outside the game to cyborg why have they not just done that because Uh, it's been because outside the game has meant cyborg for a decade if not longer why have they not just put cyborg I, i i don't know i would i would assume it's so you can play it in commander or we don't formats want to. <laughs> that, or formats that don't have sideboards. Yeah, sure. Okay, that uh, so arena is essentially the best. Possibly, part, right? yeah, possibly arena. But yeah, I don't know. Does that so? 
So Companion says, if this card is your chosen companion, you may, oh, I guess it's this card, yeah, that, that's fair. I was going to say, does that apply, like, it, let's say you have you have Zerda the Dawn Waker as your companion in your deck. So you've, you've got that as your companion, but then you also have at least one copy of it in your deck as well. If you then just drew the one in your deck and played the one from your deck, if that one was exiled and you hadn't cast any cards called Zerda the Dawn Waker from outside of the game, this game, could you then cast that one from Exile because it's outside of the game? Uh, Exile hasn't been outside the game for about as long as ex- outside the game has meant sideboards. It's why uh, Karnagrade sure. Creator says from outside the game or Exile. Okay, sure. That's yeah. Fair. Outside the game used to be like Exile, like outside the game. Yeah. And that, now it's sideboard, which is technically a zone outside the game, but it's not really a zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that's why. I mean, but yeah, we just have so much going on that they just threw everything in this set and I don't know why. And I mean, what what are the future future league doing? What are the playtesters doing? I don't know. What did what? I really don't know. Yeah. I, How I, did they just I, miss all of this? Like I said, this is definitely something that I'm gonna be very interested to learn. Like once once we start getting all of the articles about all of the the designs and all of the the podcasts and stuff over the next couple of weeks, I think it might be might be quite eye opening. Um, I know, you know, a very similar thing happened to it to Eldraine when everyone was like, what is Oko? What is going on with this? And they were just like, oh yeah, we missed it in playtesting. We were just yeah, but that's a turning card. our opponent's stuff into Elks. We weren't turning our... Oh, we were just turning our own food into Elks. Like, we weren't getting our opponent's creatures. But this is the thing, like, that's one card. Yeah. Because with Eldraine, you're like, okay, well, the, the power level appears to be pushed a bit, and, you know, we've seen a few cards that are just maybe a bit better than perhaps they should have been, but, like, one card. And, I mean, I know it's like a, you know, a main lore character, mythic yeah. planeswalker, but you're like, that's one card, that's fine. The entire companion mechanic, Yeah. how do you miss that? Maybe. Maybe if, if, it was, if it was initially meant to be two sets, and suddenly, oh, no, this has been moved forward because Theros is now one set, it's easy to condense that down into one, one set. Uh, now you've got to condense these two sets so you do an exploratory design for down into one set. And you've already gone, oh, well, this this is going to be a, a two-set block. It's going to have this, this, and this across all the blocks. And you've gone, oh, we're just going to throw everything into one set. Then because you've got so much going on that you've had to playtest everything, you haven't managed to effectively playtest anything. Maybe they just didn't play Lurus. <laughs> They're like, oh, this can't be that good. Maybe the cat deck didn't exist in Future Future League. Because I know they don't test Pioneer and Modern and Legacy and Vintage, right? Yeah. Because they yeah. have time to them, that's perfectly fine. So when things end up being broken in Modern and Legacy, you're like, okay, well, I understand. It's, it sucks. But I understand what happened. Yeah. But when it's like Lurus being absurd in Standard and Garuda being nuts in Standard, you're like, did not one of you not work this out? Yeah. Maybe the fact that Garuda cost six man, they were like, well, this probably isn't competitively playable. <laughs> Which just isn't true, clearly, because no, that's not true at all. Like, like Karuda Doom of Depths is far easier to cast than Casualties of War, and that's a card that's being cast consistently. But maybe that wasn't at the same time, you know, because they work like a year, if not more, ahead. Yeah. So maybe they could because Casualties of War wasn't being played until the last few months. Yeah, that is true. You know, so maybe they just didn't work it out, and that's just kind of depressing. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of a little disheartening to see yeah. that they've just missed all these things. And, like, you know, they missed if they miss stuff like Teferi, there's just, like, a card they miss, right? Like, Field of a Dead, they miss that. 
like yeah. Teferi they missed that Oko they missed that Uro they it, probably missed but that's mainly an older format so it's kind of understandable an entire mechanic that's like a big headline mechanic is uh, kind of bad yeah I, I think when you're just rattling off examples of cards they've missed there I think that really just makes me lose a lot of faith in, in play design yeah, it, it does. It like, does. Like it does. you've just you've listed like four cards there, and it's like it's one card from every set for the past X amount of sets, and that was without mentioning like the Veil of Summer, Arkham's Astrolabe. Once upon a time, know, like sure, like Arkham's Astrolabe, we can we can yeah, once upon a time, like Arkham's Astrolabe, we can look past that because that was in a strange supplementary product. That's that's fine, but yeah, every everything else there is has been in a standard set, at least one every set for the past like six sets now yeah so you've got Teferi then you've got Field of the Dead and to a certain extent Teferi, you've got Teferi Narset yeah but N- Narset arguably. doesn't apply to standards standards like even talking in terms of standard like stuff they would have actually tested right yeah so you've got uh, yeah, Teferi Field of the Dead and I guess Veil of Summer yeah and then you've got Throne of Eldraine after that right so you've got Oko yeah. you got Oko um, you got and Once Upon a Time, time. um and then you've got Theros, which is, I guess, Uro. And that's probably, that, yeah. I think that's mainly, that is mainly older formats that it's maybe a problem in. I don't think it's actually a problem yeah, in the same definitely. with any of the previous cards, but it's still like, it's very much pushed and probably a bit too good. It's very much pu- pushed, and it's very much pushed in the direction that we'd seen previous cards pushed, you know, in green, green, blue. And now you've got the entire companion mechanic. Yeah. I mean, people are calling this possibly the most powerful set. Poss- just possibly the most powerful set, right? And I think that may yeah. go hyperbole, but also, like, it's tearing up every format. And not it. in the same it's... way that Oko was over, like, a few weeks. This is, like, this is week one of the format, and it's, it's already putting up results in every format. No, I, I definitely agree. I think it, it, is, it is quite possibly the most powerful set, but not on on the metrics that we would usually judge a power level of the set. It's like, while the cards themselves might not be the most powerful cards ever printed, like, it's certainly no, like, uh, like, you know, over the gate, watch Eldrazi rune a modern level of, like, power of individual cards. It's just the fact that this, this mechanic, this companion mechanic, is so powerful in itself to the extent that it essentially has fundamentally changed the rules of magic or, or how you how you play magic, how you construct a deck sure that there might not be necessarily be powerful cards on the face of it but that mechanic is so powerful that you now have to construct your deck in an entirely different way to how you have done for the past uh, 20 years at least yeah i mean that i mean that's true of the other mistakes really if you compare it because that's what happened with oko where you just had to construct your deck to be able to beat oko and you couldn't beat oko so you just played oko uh, you have to play a certain way and completely change the rules of magic for teferi Field of the Dead was just nonsense. I mean, I mean e- e- even then, like you're not, you're not changing the what I feel like are like the fundamental rules. Like, like any any magic card changes the rules. Like that's what they all do. Really, at the end of the day, like you know, like Sphere of Resistance makes cards cost one more. Teferi means you can't pay it instant speed. All of these companions. The, like the companion mechanic means that you start the game with one extra card in hand and it's free and can't be interacted with. Yeah, that's that's yeah, sure. fundamental rule changing. That's fundamental. That's yeah, changes the fundamental rules of rules of deck construction. Yeah, it does. It does. 
yeah, I see. I see your point. But I mean, I mean, that's just the thing. Like that, this is a different way in which magic is no longer fun to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because and now it's just every format. Because for a time it was like, oh, well, at least like, you know, you go back a few years and it's like, well, at least I can have fun in modern. Oh, well, modern's ruined. At least I can have fun in legacy. Oh, well, legacy's ruined. At least I can have fun in vintage. Oh no, 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 that's broken as well. Uh, and you, you just have you have no safe haven now, just away from these heinous mistakes because the last eighteen months have just like irreparably changed the face of magic unless you do some real some real changes. Yeah, I I, I fully agree. Um, I I mean I'm gonna read out a a, a couple of tweets now if, if that's alright. So this is from a uh, I'm not gonna gonna name the account, but it, it's from a private account of a of a, a relatively well known magic player. Uh, who has been successful at tournament levels. Um, so it is uh, going to stop complaining after this, but I'm fed up with the direction Magic has taken. Games feel more about sticking individual absurd cards rather than any of the play patterns that made the game so compelling to begin with. And they've said that this is by design. This is just exacerbated by the fact that a bunch of these absurd cards are now your commander in normal constructed play. The variance is reduced again, and now it's just two people shooting bazookas at each other with the big gun winning. Just not compelling to me. I guess this is just where the Planeswalker era eventually leads, and when they realise that they need power creep in order to sell cards for older formats, they just go ape and turn the game into Yu-Gi-Oh. Every couple of weeks I keep trying to go back and play a bunch of the game I love, but everything that's changed recently has been a huge step backwards in terms of how enjoyable games are. I inevitably stop playing after a couple of days of mostly bad games. The cycle is so depressing. I've always been so passionate about this game, but F man, it just doesn't hit like it used to and that's a direct result of an intentional path that design has taken. I can't be the only one who feels like this. Pro players aren't willing to risk fines by being negative on public social media, and the atmosphere in the content creator universe is obnoxious, toxic positivity, because you miss out on opportunities if you talk too loud about how magic sucks these days. I think there's no way forward for the game given the echo chamber that Hasbro has built for their marketing drive, so I keep trying to avoid thinking about this, but maybe it's time for me to hang it up for good and move on with my life. That's from a, I, w- I will, like I said, it was unnamed private Twitter account, but that is, it's from a, a magic player who is known. It's, yeah, I, I, I guess that in broad strokes emulates how I feel about the game a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I'm definitely leaning that way myself as well. It, it's these complete fundamental shifts that we, that we see that we've, we've said so many times when they've, they've happened over the past year and a bit that it, it's just. Just they're just irreparable changes. Like I know a lot of the time when I've talked about stuff like that, it's been in regards to vintage. You know, if you look at like the rules of vintage, they don't really ban cards; they restrict cards. So that means, oh, you know, we can't, we can't just just. I mean, Oko was the big one. You know, we can't unprint Oko. We can't unprint this card. These exist now. We have to deal with it. But now it, it's a complete, it's a complete mechanic. And I I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they just if they banned all of the or if not all of them, most of them, most of the companions in you know modern legacy. Uh, but I mean, you look at vintage. I think vintage is is quite possibly damaged beyond repair. Like unless they they say oh we're banning the the companion mechanic. If they restrict the the, the companions, then that's just no different to how they're being played currently. I mean, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think you just removed the commanding mechanic. 
It's like all these cards are playable, that's fine. You can play with Companion in Standard because maybe it's fine for a bit, but you, you can't play these as your compa- Companion doesn't exist outside yeah. of Standard. Or maybe even Draft. But, I mean, this is the thing. You look at you look at historically where you have the Urza's block, right? Yeah. Which is regarded as just the most ridiculous time in Magic because it was just so broken. And then the power level of the sets just tanked. Yeah. For, for a long period of time. And then you look at Mirrodin where basically everyone stopped playing Magic. And then you look at Kamigawa, which is one of the worst blocks ever, yeah. just in terms of power level and playability. Yeah. And we haven't had that. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't had War of the Spark, and then oh, okay, Throne of Eldraine is just bad, right? We haven't had oh, okay, Throne of Eldraine was nuts. Theros is bad because Theros is very, very good. Yeah. And we haven't had Theros is really, really good. Oh, Rikori has taken a real dip, and we just have an unplayable block for a bit because you had that before, right? You had like you know, Innistrad being very very powerful into Return to Ravnica block being quite powerful in terms of constructed formats into Theros which was just bad yeah. outside of like Thought Season Elspeth and then you have a decreased power level for a bit and you have Khans of Tarkir this is kind of powerful again and then you go back down again for Battle of Zendikar yeah it, it's how it works and it, it, it's how how I think it should work it's what's made, made magic always good like with, with power creep power creep is, is, is definitely a thing and it's definitely things that most games should have to some extent especially magic like you slowly you slowly turn the dial up and then you turn it back down but that hasn't happened this has just been a sustained nope, period it has not happened at all banger after banger and it's not like they've you know they don't have any ways to do that because they absolutely do like they, they they can do that and they can still print powerful cards i think i think i think the easiest way and the best way to balance it would just be like just change what's powerful in each set like you have you have sets where yeah you'll have like a busted planeswalkers let's say let's say like you know we want to take like like war of the spark you want to print a, a like i don't know let's say you want to print, print a set with like 15 planeswalkers that are rare that are all powerful cool in the next set uh your rares or your rares and your creatures and your planeswalkers are are far less powerful, but then you have a powerful rare land cycle. Like you balance your your spells with your lands, and every set that has a powerful spell cycle or, or creature cycle, you, you have some rubbish lands in there. And then the next one, you can have some some you know less powerful creatures, but you have some good lands in there. And I think just finding just, just using that to, to balance things and, and turn things up and turn things down is is definitely something that they have done very well in the past, and it's it's just it's just a real shame to see them stray from that. I think this thing. I, I, I mean, to be fair, like, I, I just kind of want them at a certain level. Just be like, fuck it, panic button, Zendikar rising, add a mana cost to literally every mythic. Yeah. Just, just add a single generic mana to it. It doesn't matter. Just kill the power level completely. And then Zendikar rising would be crap if Zendikar rising was as bad as Battle Zendikar. But just this set is unplayable in standard. Yeah. But then you create a new baseline. But there's been no baseline. The base the baseline was Teferi, and it just kept going up from there. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't understand how they think that's a sustainable sustainable model for a game where where just everything has to be better than Teferi Time Reveler. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like if that's if that's your benchmark, the, the game just becomes insane. Oh, definitely. And then your new then your new benchmark is Field of a Dead. Then your new benchmark is Oka. Then your new benchmark is slightly a bit of a lower down is Uro. And then your new benchmark is Lurus and the entire of the companion cycle. Yeah, it's just nuts. You can't sustain a game like that, and it just. This is the thing I've I've been just been looking through, and I haven't even got my hands on these cards yet. I haven't played a single game with any of these cards. I'm just like I'm just gonna play Commander. I don't even want to look at Legacy. And I mean I know I can't really realistically until probably next year yeah. at this point. But 
I just don't, I don't I don't want to touch this format. And even Commander, you can talk about that for a bit. And they just it, it, the companion shouldn't work in Commander. It doesn't make any sense. It it fundamentally changes the rules of Commander, which is a problem. And Commander, if you look at Commander, they all every card in a Commander deck that I see has a hollow stamp. Just because the last like three or four years have just been ramped up so power like so much in power level. Yeah. You used to have staples, and now you just have the last two years of cards. And someone can build a commander deck with basically just standard cards and a few of the commander deck staples, and it's just fine. And it's just been a sustained problem for ages. And they're just, it, if I didn't know any better, it's like they're actively trying to kill the game. Yeah. And I don't know why. It's it's like they're actively trying to kill older formats. Because if you look at older formats, they're all just cards printed in 2019 and now 2020. Yeah. That's the entire format. If you look through a legacy deck, it's just it's just standard cards with the powerful lands and things that they can't put in standard. Like it seems absurd to me that we don't have a lightning bolt, just actual lightning bolt <laughs> yeah. in this format. Yeah. Because every other card is so goddamn powerful. How can you not just have like lightning bolt? But then like they couldn't because mono mono red, would, mono red would be too good with lightning bolt. Path to Exile is uh, Path to Exile is a debatable one, I think. Um but it's like just screw it. You you're ruining every other power level of a card. Yeah. Just put the really powerful cards in it, and let's let us just play modern in standard, because that's clearly what you want. Because modern is just standard cards, and modern horizons cards which clearly weren't tested correctly. That's the entire format. Same with legacy. Same with vintage. It's nuts. Yeah. They've just decimated anything we have in the format. Because when when you were getting from from standard into a new format. You're like, oh, I've never seen these cards before. I need to look at these cards. I need to go buy these cards. I need to trade for them. And I need to find them. And now you're just like, well, I just own fifty percent of these cards. Okay. And I don't like. There's no. There's no differentiation now between that between older formats and new formats because they're all just the same cards. Yeah. Even vintage, and that's bananas. Yeah. Which, I mean, could you could you look at that in a positive way and you say, well, these, the, yeah, like, could, these, these older me. formats have never been more accessible ever because. Now it's it's just all powerful cards, yeah. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I like, I, I go and play Legacy because I can play cards like Knight of Reliquary and Thalia Guardian with Thraben. Yeah. Not because I can play against Questing Beast and Oko yeah. and, and Arkham's Asteroid and Ren and Six. Like, well, not Larry and the Six, but like, you know, <laughs> I don't go there to play against the same cards I don't want to play against the standard. I want to play powerful, exciting old cards and they don't exist anymore. Yeah. Because why the hell would you play any of those cards when you can just play the new busted cards? Where, like, Lands is playing four copies of Uro and some, like, and some Okos and, uh, like... <laughs> cool. I, it, the, the more you get into it, the, the deeper you go down the rabbit hole, the more just you just despair at the state <laughs> of magic. Like, honestly, it, the design choices have just been wild. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about it this morning with a friend, and I, you know, I definitely said the phrase. You know, whoever thought you'd be be crying out for a for a core set? But even the core sets are too good. Well, we've had one, we've had one. Yeah, and it was too good. And it was it was admittedly too good, but I way too good. I want to see what happens this year. I mean, I know for a fact that it, it's it's Teferi. Teferi based, so yeah, it's yeah. probably going to be. Uh, problematic because they can't seem to print a Teferi card that isn't busted in some way. But just add I, I'm, generic I'm really, really crying out for a corset. Just let's just let's just have less. Let's just have, yeah, have just like the cards can still be like they don't have to be like like you know grizzly bears. But let's just just have less. Let's just have a set where we have just just vanilla creatures and, and evergreen mechanics and. I'm really looking forward to the core set. 
just just make the cards unplayable because that's what you did in Kamigawa and everyone hated it but then your new baseline so when Ravnica comes out you're like oh this is not well was it Ravnica? yeah it was Uh, Ravnica yeah yeah Yeah. when Ravnica comes out everyone's really excited to play with the new cards and they're not nowhere near as good as the cards in Mirrodin but they're much better than Kamigawa so it's exciting just add a generic mana to every rare and mythic in Zendikar Rising and everyone goes, well, these cards suck, and then you just have to deal with the fact that Throne of Eldraine and Theros Beyond Death and Ikoria is just the entire format for basically two years. Yeah. And then you get a clean slate and you can just just make magic less powerful. Standard should be so much less powerful than Vintage. Yeah, definitely. It should be so much less powerful than Legacy, but it's just the same format. Yeah, like, you know... The big players, at least. We're talking, we're talking years ago now, but... Modern was the turn four format. That was they were very explicit in the fact that they wanted modern to be a turn four format. Now it very much feels like standard is a turn four format. I consistently win or lose on turn four and standard, and I don't think that's healthy. And you win or lose based on a coin flip. Yeah, all the time. You just do, and that's not fun. Like oh, just remembering like Khans of Tarkir, there are standard when you just had grindy games that made it to like turn 15 and every decision mattered it just and sure whoever landed the first Elspeth Sons champion probably won the game but you had decisions to make and you had a game to play when it was like well that Casco Reader on turn 4 it just guess I lose feels like a totally different game and it feels like oh, it just, feels just like, a, like a whole universe away from like when we were crying out that oh Goblin Chain Whirler should probably be banned in standard yeah, remember not when Goblin Chain yeah. when it was the bad guy? Oh, yeah, I remember it very well. And it, I, you know, not, we, we weren't even like a, oh, this card is this card needs to be banned now. We weren't we weren't like adamant that it needs to be banned like some people were. We were very much like, yeah, it probably needs needs to be banned. Here are the reasons why it probably needs to be banned. But now it's now it's just like, oh, here's ten cards that just probably need to be banned in every format. In fact, let's just let's just pretend this mechanic doesn't exist, like. And you get stuff like that, like like let's look at Goblin Chamber as an as an example. Yeah. It was probably a little bit too good for standard, but there were ways of beating it, and it was miserable. But it, and then it and then it made a tiny splash in modern because of the Goblin's deck. Yeah, and then it made like a couple of because casting, but putting it in off Aether Bar when you've wasted the crap out of your opponent legacy is really good. Yeah, and that's where it went, and that's what you really want for stand, standard cards to do. It's a it's a Goblin that's reasonably. Reasonably cheap. Um, any any goblin tribal deck in any eternal format is going to try and fit it in where they can. That's yeah, fair. Mean, That's perfectly acceptable. Because yeah. you look at look at like the last time before this that a, a standard card completely warped a format. You're looking at Innistrad block, and you're looking at nah, Delver of Secrets. Disagree there. What are you looking at? Dig through time and treasure cruise. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Well, we just ignore those because yeah. there was complete haters, and they dealt with those immediately. It was like, now we yeah. just get rid of those. It's fine. Whereas this one has just been sustained, and Oko has to spend four months just decimating every format before people before, before people notice. But you look at Delver Seagulls, you're like, well, this is this is a common that we thought would be kind of okay in draft, and whoops, we made a huge mistake on a common. And you're like, that's fine, Wizards. I understand. I'm going to completely let that one go. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we made all these mythics too strong. You're like, yeah, <laughs> do better. <laughs> like, it's just nonsense. But I think I think we've done enough complaining. Yeah, I I agree. I mean. Do you see a see a solution for this? Ban companion as a mechanic. You can't. You, just, yeah. you can't do it. It doesn't. It I, shouldn't exist. I, I agree. I think that's it. I think it's the, the most clean solution that I that I, I think I, I see 
for solving this is just if you, you treat the companion keyword like you do with with the conspiracy card type uh, it's it's fun to explore in its respective limited format but it's just it's not usable for constructed uh, maybe maybe they could say that it's it's it can only be played in standard or best of one standard uh, and limited uh, but yeah, I just think if, if they treat companions like conspiracies, I think that's just best for everybody going forward. Yeah, you do the same thing you did with, uh, you attempted to do with Oko and Stan. It's like, whoops, made a mistake. It's gone. Yeah, I, th- I think that's... You, you just, like, that's the thing, because I, I praised Wizards like a, a month ago, a few weeks ago, whenever it was, for just being putting their hands up and be like, we pushed it too far, yeah. we made a mistake, it's fine. This is an entire mechanic and probably an entire set. Just, you made a mistake, just sort it out. We don't want you to just keep pushing it and ignoring it. Because it's a huge problem. Everyone hates it. People are considering quitting Magic because of a set that isn't even in print yet. Yeah, I, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't. I think it's such a big fundamental change, and is also correct to to adhere to that change because, like you know, like I said before, it's it's a it's a free card. Like it's every 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 game of Magic you start, you now start with one extra card in your hand at no cost. That that's correct. That is always going to be correct. So this isn't just like, oh, we we can ban this, we can ban this this one card. This is this is a complete fundamental change to the game. And I, th- I think the only way to to errata that or get rid of that is 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 very much to just just errata the mechanic to make it like conspiracy. Like this isn't like, you know, when let's say like like when Nahiri came out and everyone was like, oh sweet, we're gonna play. Uh, Jeskai Nahiri and Modern, and then that's going to be like the or like Arclight Phoenix, and like that's going to be like the flavor of the month of a format or two for like you know a month until everything settles down. Remember when we were sick of Nahiri the Harbinger? Oh, I, 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 I never in, was. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, but in Modern, your opponent on turn four yeah. made this thing that you could remove by playing the game yeah. that was going to win in two turns' time. Yeah. They had to tap out on turn four in a format that didn't yet have a free counter spell. Yeah. And then in two turns, they present a lethal threat. And everyone lost their minds because it was too good. Yeah. Do you remember that? I, I remember that very well, yeah. And you look but at now. You know, like I said, like you've got that and you've got, you know, like, oh, like, oh, like Arclight Phoenix. Like, yeah, that deck's definitely still playable. It took a bit of a hit because of some bans, some bans that were definitely correct. But. This isn't like those. This isn't just like oh, it's the flavor flavor of the of the month. This is going to sort itself out. Uh, you know, give it give it a few weeks and things will level out and all get fine again. This is just such a, a big fundamental change to the rules of deck construction for Magic, where it's it's just it's just correct to play these cards to play this way. There's there's no there's no sorting that out with time. There's no just balancing the meta. They they just they have to step in. Man, like okay, so I think I'm pretty much done with all yeah. my complaints. I do have I do have a a bit of a, a bit of a thing to say to put a bow on it. Have you got anything else to nah. to say on on companions in this before we go? Oh, good. I mean, I'm, yeah. There's there's nothing you can do, but I mean, it it's very much like you know, oh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the set isn't even out yet, and we're complaining about it like it's the worst thing in the world, and and it's the end of magic. You know, rip magic 2020. This is the absolute worst thing, but. I, I, I try not to catastrophize things in Magic. Like I genuinely really do, but I think this is such a big fundamental change. Just something needs to be done. 
I think when you when you when you go through it like like we have, and actually look at the way that companion just signifies or is at least a symptom of the changes that we've known for a while. Yeah. It, it just <laughs> like I said, the deeper down the rabbit hole you go, the worse it, the worse it feels, and it's just this, this thing like I have not been able to play magic for six weeks properly you know like in paper with my friends yeah. like at an LGS and go out and do things and collect cards and shuffle cards and all that stuff and that's all I ever wanted to do like literally magic the gathering is my only hobby it's the only thing I care about outside of specifically people you know and World of Warcraft uh, apparently yeah exactly this is this, this plays into my point when you know the lockdown the quarantine all of this horrible stuff happened the only thing I could think about is oh, as soon as it's over I get to play magic I get to go to well what we assume is now cancelled GP Liverpool I get to go do that it's going to be amazing we're going to go do that and I'm going to go play with my friends I'm going to meet my friends engage in my favourite hobby and play with these cards and now I'm just like I don't really want to do that I'm not <laughs> enthused to, to do it and considering magic has been the only thing I've ever wanted to really do for the last seven years and for it to now just be like eh I'm not that bothered I've I've stopped looking up decklists all the time. I've stopped playing on Arena. I've stopped playing on Magic Online, and and now I'm just like, well, if I miss an F and M, if I miss a draft, it will be fine because I don't like the direction of Magic's taking, and it's not going to be the most important thing now. And think things like I've of, of World of War, like World of Warcraft have just kind of replaced that a bit. Yeah, it's been like, well, that's the thing I get excited about now, and I get to do, and I get to think about because Magic has just it's failed to hold my interest because of a series and eighteen months of just sustained nonsense from design and uh, I mean I'm not a big player in it you know like I don't grind I don't have any particularly impressive tournament results to my name I, you know I'm not a big deal in magic I'm just someone that enjoys playing the game and enjoys playing complex formats with decisions and now I don't get to do that so why should I put all my time and effort and money into it yeah hey it's it's pretty tragic when you put it that way but uh, you know yeah, you can be seen as you know being all doom and gloom about it, but that they they are the facts when you lay them out there, aren't they? Yeah, I'm not excited to get back to playing Magic. I'm excited maybe to play some Commander, but that isn't anywhere near as where it where it was before. You know, I'm excited to draft Mystery Booster. That's all, that's all exactly, I want to do. That's the thing, right? You're like, I'm excited to do this thing that doesn't really have anything to do with proper Magic. When you put it yeah, in I'm excited to draft magic, Mystery right? Mystery Booster. I'm excited to, to play Cube. They're the they're the two big things for me. Um, I mean, I'm enjoying playing this 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 standard deck definitely, and I want to grind to mythic just to say that I've done it. But yeah, I mean, how much of that I, is I just how much of that honestly is just Stockholm syndrome because Magic's all you've done for the last however long. And I don't want to you know you know <laughs> I don't mean to mean that as a slight. Um, you have a lot of other hobbies, but you know what I mean. Like how much of that is just well, this is the thing I know that I've done for the last seven years, so I better keep doing it because it's basically all I've put my time and money and effort into you know that's how it I feels at this point yeah i don't well, i wouldn't say it's it's stockholm syndrome i think like the mythic thing is is just something that i i want myself like i know i i know i'm not a bad magic player and i want to prove to myself that i you know prove to myself that i i, I have the ability to, to hit mythic and that i just need to be sensible and play play the best deck which is not something that i've always done um because I feel, you know, we we go back to variants. We go back to how magic used to be. Like you didn't always necessarily have to play the one hundred percent correct deck. Variants came in which you could play a deck that you preferred to play and still put up good results. Like you know, Reed Duke always played Jund and Modern, 
because he was good with the deck and he, he, he managed to put up results. It might not have always been correct, but you could always you could always do fair, but now it's you know, it's play the correct deck or it's kinda of pointless playing. Yeah. And and I mean I just think I, I always thought, you know, whenever I I had friends who, you know, wavered on magic and, and wanted to stop playing and wanted to go do other things and maybe instead of doing F and M they'd have like a board game night or they'd start yeah. a D and D campaign or they'd, you know, play Hearthstone or or MMOs or just play video games and stuff. But like, oh, what are you doing? Magic's the best game in the world. Like, why would you ever stop playing this? How could you possibly stop being interested in this? Like, it's just so complex and so deep and, and there's so much to think about and so much to enjoy. And now I'm just like, no, I kind of get it now. <laughs> now that we've got to this point where every deck is a Lurus deck and every deck is an Oko deck and every deck is a Euro deck and Field of the Dead was just everything. You know, like, you get to that point, you're like, yeah, now I'm at that point where I'm just like, I kind of want to do some other things with my time because everything is just the same everywhere and I don't feel like I can get any edges anywhere outside of just playing the correct deck or just losing with my favourite deck. Yeah. Or playing Commander. <laughs> uh, and hopefully Commander won't be completely ruined. Um, yeah. But we'll have we'll to see, see how it all plays we'll out. But yeah, um, there's, your, there's your weekly doom and gloom. Yes, there's your... your you're aptly put hour of devastation yeah if you, i mean if you, if you wanted to be distracted from the doom and gloom of the world it's <laughs> the doom and gloom about magic yeah absolutely uh, you know like we said i think uh, it is doom and gloom and I, I think that's pretty much all we have time for this week um it is it is sorry it has been such a such a doom and gloom episode but this this is the this is the reality uh and i I hope we haven't been too sensationalist. I don't think we've been too sensationalist. I like to think that we we're still managing to have you know rational takes on the formats and, and try to try to discuss these things rather than just go oh this is terrible banner. It's like I, I want to try to present you know justification for the ways and things we're feeling definitely. Um, so you know hopefully we've done that and. If you want to let us know your thoughts and feelings, you know, how, how do you feel about Companion? Do you love it? Like, are we just wrong? Like, like, please let us know. I would absolutely... That would be the only person out uh, of thousands of people that did. Please do let us know. <laughs> I would genuinely, genuinely lo- love to see... I would genuinely love to see people getting excited about Companion because all I've seen is people being very negative about it and, you know, we've just spent an hour being negative about it and I totally, totally understand it. And I, I would love to see the other side and just to see why you love companion and if you do hit us up on social media and get at us on twitter we're at hfdcast facebook.com slash hfdcast or if you've enjoyed anything you've heard and want to give back any monetary value you can hit us up on patreon at patreon.com slash hour of devastation where tiers start from as little as one dollar per month that's roughly 20 to 25 cents per episode you can find the podcast on soundcloud and spotify and itunes and if you go to one of those places and leave us a review or a rating or a comment or just share it with your friends that would really help us out to get out to more people would if you want to find me on my own personal social media on twitter i'm at peach garden oaf facebook i'm joe loudon and I'm also on YouTube. Uh, again, search Peach Garden Oaf. You'll find me. I'm posting a lot of content at the moment. Um, averaging two to three videos per week. This uh, this self isolation slash working from home thing has definitely given me a lot more free time to do that. So yeah, come check me out if if you're into video content for sure. Absolutely. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at snail69. Nice. It's just gonna be misery from here on in. <laughs> if that's the kind of thing you like. <laughs> Awesome. On that note, once again, we're approaching the second hour. The Godfarer has returned. So see you again next week on Arrow Devastation. Devastation.